The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. With the Contagious Plague. Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, hopefully <laughs> it's not an audio infectious one like, um... Oh, it is. Uh, what's that movie? Oh my god, what's the movie that Mike recommended to us with the zombies? Oh, I can't uh, remember. Oh my god, it's like on the tip of my tongue. Not Return of the Living Dead. No, no, it's, uh... Oh, jeez, oh, and race. It's in a re- recording studio downstairs, and... The plague is is spread through spoken word. <gasps> oh man, uh, oh. Pontypool, Pontypool. It came oh, to okay. me. Man, I was stressing out there. I couldn't remember the name of that. That was, was a really good movie uh, that Mike recommended a long time ago on the podcast on top five movies. But um, this week, because we're recording extra late and Corey is sick, um, we're going to be just discussing the movie that we watched for the week and what we'll be watching next week. So tonight's focus will be our review of the film Moonlight, uh, last year's. Uh, Best Picture winner, directed by Barry Jenkins, starring Marshahala Ali, um, and I know I probably butchered his name, even though I love him as an actor. Um, Alex R. Hibbert, um, Janelle Mon- Monet, uh, Naomi Harris. Um, I'm looking. Jaden Piner has a big role as as young Kevin. Looking for our middle ones, Ashton Sanders, I believe. Um, jumping. Oh, and uh, Gerald Jerome. I hope I didn't butcher that too bad. Trevante Rhodes. And I'm I'm doing a good job, I think, of out of memory because I can't read all of these because IMDb cuts names off in the mode oh, that I was looking at. It is Rose, dumb. and then um, Andre Holland as adult Kevin. Um, I saw this in the theater uh, before the Oscars last year, um, but Corey did not get a chance to, and so we were watching it to get her caught up with uh, this award-winning movie that uh, many people consider to be, you know, pretty great. It has a 99 Metacritic score, so I would say. On average, which does make me concerned because Corey has an accidental habit of being a contrarian. So I'm a little concerned that maybe that's where this one will fall. Accidental habit. Well, I feel like I don't feel like you set out to be a contrarian Um, because there are people who who purposely dislike movies that the populace likes just to to be haters. Yeah, and I don't feel like that's what happens with you, although there are those movies um, like Get Out from this year. Uh, that you didn't like, so it is, um, you know, always, always a little bit of a concern that it's going <laughs> to fall into that. But let's find out. Um, so we'll start with initial thoughts on the film Moonlight. Um, I guess before we jump right into that, maybe a little pleasantries, because um, I've seen two big movies in the last two days, and I'm looking to see another tomorrow. Um, I saw Call Me by Your Name and I Tanya uh, the last two days. Um, and Did I, they make Margot Robbie look ugly enough? Um, she definitely didn't <laughs> exactly look like Margot Robbie, but she still looked like Margot Robbie. So if you find Margot Robbie attractive, um, then yes. Uh, or no, I guess. I'm sorry. No, they did not because she still was Margot Robbie. Her. Um, not to say she wasn't you know, noticeably less attractive, but she still looked like Margot Robbie. So, you know. I'm sorry. I'm just still dying about what they said about that. I know. So. I know. It's it's pretty crazy um, that that was what they uh, it made it yeah, sound they, like. They had to describe she... it that way. 
um, through Charlie's Theron uh, for monster makeover. I, <laughs> they make it sound like. I did see, uh, though, I'd say in the last two nights, uh, some of the best performances I've seen all year. And that's saying oh. a lot because I've seen a lot of movies this year. Um, just from 2017 alone, but Allison Janney oh. as Tanya Harding's mom is amazing. And she, um, there is talks of her being nominated for Best Supporting Actress, I think. Yep, and she won the Golden Globe for that, so it's it's okay. pretty likely. And um, I thought Tanya Harding, or not Tanya Harding, I, sh- I thought Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding was really good. Um, Timothy Chalamet, though, and um, Army Hammer in Call Me By Your Name, both fantastic. Um absolutely amazing performances um i i it, i have to say it's hard um to like describe that movie without feeling like i'm gonna give away plot elements because not like not even specifics but just like the outcomes are inherent with what i want to talk about and so um i i found it one of my more challenging reviews to write and not reveal content and that kind of always stresses me out. Oh wow! I just, I'm um, looking at Rotten Tomatoes top 100 all time, and Call Me by Your Name is currently on the list now, um, number 37. So that's pretty crazy. Um, movie that's still in theaters is on, oh Logan's on the list too. I didn't see that. Um, I'm looking at the list because the movie that we had picked out for next week that was on Netflix is no longer on Netflix. So I'm trying to find a replacement to uh, make it simple. So while we're talking about Moonlight, I'm going to be looking to pick my movie for next week. Uh, on that note, uh, Corey, have you seen anything worth mentioning before we jump into Moonlight? Corey, your mic might be muted. Or you might... Dang it, I have... There it was. <laughs> Sorry, I keep having coughing fits. Okay, no, I haven't... <laughs> I've left my house like twice this week in like 10 days. <laughs> I can't wait to go to the movie theater. I keep falling asleep, so I'm trying not to watch movies. Um, yeah, so, no, just lots of Roseanne episodes. Oh, Roseanne. So you've been binging Roseanne. Yeah, we should make it TV and movie. So you've been watching Roseanne. So that's... Yes. Um, and I'm... So, like, I grew up on Roseanne, as I'm sure you and a lot of people, you know, from our generation did. And, like, I feel like I grew up in a pretty... For the most part, a pretty progressive household. So, like, looking back and watching these episodes from, like, 1990 and 1991, it's interesting to see kind of how progressive they were, too. Oh. There was, like, an episode where uh, DJ wanted to dress up as a witch, but Dan was having a hard time with that because witches are girls, so why can't he call it a warlock or something? And Roseanne wasn't having it. Um, Just, like, things like that sprinkled without finding it enjoyable. Wow. And... I'm on season two, and we've already had – they are giving us a Halloween episode each season, so I'm down. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> oh, poor Corey. Um, we are going to pretty much jump right in, but the last thing I want to – I have some cool news for Burke Reviews. Um, I will be attending South by Southwest this year. Uh, it'll be the largest film festival um, that I will be a part of, and so um, I'm very excited for the opportunity. Uh, but so close to March, we'll be doing a lot of coverage of like previews of what's going to be at South by Southwest. And then uh, while I'm there that week, I'll be writing reviews for everything I see, which I'm hoping to be just an insane amount of movies. Um, and we'll, uh, you know, I won't know exactly how many I'm going to be able to fit into my schedule, but I will be there for uh, most of the, the festival. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm super excited. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to add that that element to um, Burke Reviews. That that's going to be a bunch of stuff, and we'll also be doing a couple of podcasts related to uh, my time there. Um, 
I, I can't wait. You know, if if you're a listener in Austin, uh, I'd love to meet up, say hello. Um, be cool to, to meet some fans. So if you want to reach out, contact at BurkeReviews.com or follow me on Twitter or Instagram at BurkeReviews, um, which we'll mention again later. Did you just want to pee in your pants? Yeah. Uh, I have to say, um, getting that email uh, was, was insane. Um, what's more insane, and right now it's not looking like I'm going to be able to attend both, but uh, we also got I got approved uh, to be a press member at Tribeca Film Festival this year. Um, I, I didn't know if we would be able to get either because we're, we're still a, a new website. We're, we're still growing, and um, it's definitely a competitive <clears throat> industry. And not to say that um, I beat anybody out or anything like that, just that I am at least considered uh, – the site is considered enough to be um, you know worthy of the press acknowledgement, and that's a big deal. Um, you know, Something I started as a kind of challenge – to myself in a way of like making myself watch more movies and spread, you know, branch out from my, uh, my staples and, and really, you know, look into other content. And, um, it's grown, it's grown a lot. Like when I started the the website, I didn't know we were going to do a podcast. I definitely didn't know we were going to do two podcasts and, um, you know, I don't, I don't regret it, um, at all. Uh, I'm very happy with what we've done and I, I look to keep growing, um, and I'm really looking forward to this opportunity to, to go to this huge festival. I can't wait to see what's going to be there, Corey, because last year, do you know what the secret film was at, at uh, South by Southwest last year? No. The, so every year there's a secret film. They don't announce what the film is. You just go and hope that it's something you want to see. Mm-hmm. Last year's secret film was Trainspotting 2. Holy shizzle. Right? So I almost said shit, and I was like, I can't oh, say that on this but then I can then, because it's movie club. And then you totally said it like immediately <laughs> yeah, after. It. Like I almost said this word <laughs> that I'm trying not to say now. But dang it, dang um, it. Okay. And they always okay. So I'm. Oh God, I have to tell you what kind of person I am because I embarrass my husband. Oh. So bad. Um, when I see famous people like bands or you know like. Sometimes when I'm at a venue waiting for a show, I'll tell my husband to save our spot in line so I can go talk to this musician that we're about to go see because they're outside smoking a cigarette or walking around or something. And I, I'm like a shy person, but in situations like that, I'm not. And I just feel like you're going to be, you know, running into some pretty famous people or some people that I love. And you probably wouldn't know because it's like the most, not the most obscure band ever because I'm not that girl, but you know. I feel like I hope you talk to some famous people. Please send me some barbecue, and I would really like a South by Southwest tote bag. Thank well, and you. There's there's like taco meetups that I'm all about, and I'm hoping <laughs> um, Doug loves movies. Usually does one or two episodes at South by, and <clears throat> I'm gonna reach out to our friend Jordan Brady um, and see oh, if he can yes. maybe recommend me be on an episode of, of Doug loves movies. Um, I That's think bad. I would be really good at the trivia, and I would love that opportunity. Um, you know, I, I am obviously a fan of Douglas movies. If you've listened to my podcast for a while, I've talked about it many times. Um, I'm also a big fan of Doug Benson. And if I were given the opportunity, I would not, I feel like I would not disappoint. Although my luck, I'll get some actor I've never heard of as like my, uh, oh my Stanton or something, but uh, general, uh, I'm pretty good with movie trivia. Um, not, not the best by any means, but I, I know my stuff um, and would love the opportunity to do that podcast, especially at South by Southwest because Oh my God! You know, South by Southwest, and I'm on Douglas Movies. That would be amazing. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna—I'll see what I can do. Uh, I know that Doug's done it. I think every year for the last couple of years. So the, the chances 
that he'll be there are high. I don't know how high my chances of being on there are, um, but you know, I'm gonna try. Uh, I'm gonna do what I have. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can um, to to have maybe Jordan put him in contact with me or something. But um, and Jordan may or may not do that. But I'm gonna ask, and if Jordan will, um, he's been very supportive of Burke Reviews uh, since we uh, met up through Doug Loves Movies. Actually, he was on an episode. I followed him on Twitter. Followed me back. Oh. We started talking. And um, know that. yeah, and and since then, he's been a really big supporter of the site, um, and he's and he's been on the podcast. He's a, he's a really great guy, and I hope uh, that he you know maybe and again he's a great guy even if he doesn't do this for me. But if he does do that for me, that would be just further proving how awesome of a guy he is. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask because why not? You know, I don't know if I'm gonna get to do this every year. Uh, everything kind of worked out perfectly where I definitely get to go to South by Southwest this year. Um, I got to tell you, Corey, I was just browsing the hotels. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like once you once you buy your press badge, because um, I'm, I'm not full press at South by, but still, um, you get like a link to their hotel recommendations. And the first hotel on the list was $2,500 a night. <laughs> Yeah, that's not the hotel so, I'm going to be staying at. Yeah, I was just like, "Oh my god!" And twenty five hundred dollars uh, a night. A you know night? what I could do with that money? And it's like a week long festival. <laughs> like, so. It's it's like no. Let's be fair. It's from a Saturday through the next Sunday, so it's even more than a week. Yeah, or it might start on a it's Friday. Friday. It does start on Friday because I'm going Friday to Saturday. Like, so I'm going the ninth. Oh, nice! And, You're and coming back on the seventeenth. Yeah, I'm coming back on the Saturday. Holy heck! I want lots of. I feel like you should send me presents. <laughs> well, I'll see what I can do. I'm wondering, like, because the film festival that like, we get to go to here uh, in Florida is the Florida Film Festival is, to my knowledge, the biggest festival we get, and it's great. Mm-hmm. I really love what they do with Florida Film Festival. But during the weekdays, there's only a few movies at night. There's like one or two in the evening. There's nothing really in the daytime because it's it's. Oh. It's not a whole lot of people from outside of the community coming. There's some, but it's mainly the weekends where you have, like, you know, from open to close, there's just movie after movie after movie. And um, I think, and the Friday, uh, the, the second Friday of the festival, there's uh, most of that day is all movies as well. So, but I'm guessing it's like nonstop at South by Southwest. Like, from, I'll it's probably. It's like freaking nuts. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm like, am I even going to be in my hotel? Am I just going to be I'm... in the theater, like, the whole time? <laughs> just like, yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I'm hoping to do that secret movie thing, and I really, um, I'm wondering because Baby Driver premiered at South by last year, so I'm wondering if anything Shizzle. major is going to be major is going to be there. I'm really hoping um, potential friend of the podcast, uh, at least, well, he's a friend right now, but hopefully future guests of the podcast, Macon Blair, might be there with maybe something he's working on, because um, that would be really cool uh, opportunity. I'm not sure. Um, I know he's working on a few projects, and I, I would love for that to be the case. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming out later this year, so I'm wondering how much of it might show up now. So I'm <clears throat> super stoked. I can't wait for the opportunity. It's going to be really, really cool. Um, Please don't get run over. Oh, now I'm nervous. What's that about? Why <laughs> Is that a common problem? Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm more I'm more aware of the music festival part of it, and I think that it's really cool. Um, but you can look it up. I think it was two years ago. Um, someone was drunk driving, you know, drunk driving, and they ran over quite a few pedestrians and it like with the music part, I don't know about with the movie festival, um, but with the music part, it takes place kind of all over Austin at different like venues and stuff and your pass can get you in. Yeah, Um, it should be the same with the film. I mean, there's going to be 
less. Uh, <laughs> I would imagine. I don't know how many theaters are in the area, but um, I know Austin had a killer music scene um, back. I don't know, fifteen years ago when I was like actively like playing music and stuff. So I was very aware of how like big the scene was then. So I just assume it's the same. Um, I actually saw Soulfly and El Nino at, while I was in Austin 15 years ago. Um, or, what? Yeah, it was a really cool show. It was a small, like, considering it was Soulfly, it was a small venue. Like, it was a venue that my bands would have been playing in uh, if, if we lived in Austin. And it was like Soulfly was there. It was packed, crazy mosh pits, but freaking Max yes. Cavalera tore it up. So um, I, I'm, I'm very excited about this whole opportunity. And... We don't want to talk too much about it now because we will do a preview no, episode. Do. But yeah, it is. It's a. Uh, it's just you know. It's it's the second year of Burke Reviews Movie Club. It is the third year of BurkeReviews dot com, and um, you know, it's we just keep moving forward, and that's what I. That's all I really could ask for is, you know, we live in. Well, Corey lives in Idaho. I live in Florida. We're not exactly <laughs> in the film industry capital. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we're we're doing what we can and it seems like it's it's making some traction. So uh Ooh. thank you, listeners, for um for doing that. And Corey, thank you for giving up so much of your time, especially this yes. evening. Because I know it's 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 not as late for you as it is for me, but still, like this is much later than you normally record and you're sick on top of everything else. So I'm happy to hear you. So let's talk Moonlight. Um, okay. We watched Moonlight. It was available to stream on Amazon Prime. And uh, I actually do. Um, I don't own this yet, but I plan on adding it to my collection. Um, I already had mentioned I'm a fan, and my review has been up for over a year. So you could always check out my overall thoughts. I don't know if you did that or not, Corey. Um, usually. I never do. Okay. Well, usually there's not something for you to do that. But this particular case is a movie I've already reviewed, um, at least written. But I was looking forward to watching it a second time, and my wife watched it with me this time, which I went. I was literally alone when I saw it the first time. I was the only person in the theater. Only person um, on the opening night uh, before the uh, the Academy Awards, so people weren't aware of the movie yet. Um, and it was in Winter Haven on a Thursday night. And I mean, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of like what me. I Tanya was actually pretty crowded, but it was at an Orlando theater, so you know, people are people are a little more uh, aware of the the film industry there. It seems, but. And Call Me By Your Name was pretty crowded, too, actually, but at our little theater in the mall. But um, what did you think of Moonlight? It, I feel like I've said this about movies before, but it was not what I expected. Um, like, I've read the synopsis before. I kind of had a broad, sweeping idea of what the movie's about. But it was so much more than I imagined. Mm. And I really enjoyed it. I don't. Um, sometimes I go like kind of diving into the director and stuff and seeing if they've had other stuff and I haven't done that, but I would be interested in seeing other work. Well, he is from Florida state. Uh, he graduated from Florida state. Um, and that's, uh, he's from Miami and and that's hence the film being set in Miami. Um, I would assume at least because it definitely is connected. I've only seen this film of Barry Jenkins, but I've heard, um, that he's, I don't remember what the other big one is. I'm looking now. Um, because I just was looking up some movies the other day, and one popped up. I don't know what it was now. If it was Medicine for Melancholy, I don't. That doesn't sound right. Hmm, I don't know. He's got a new movie set to come out. It looks like um, if Bale Street could talk. Um, it's in post production, set for this year on IMDb. I, I'm definitely in to see whatever else he does. Um, this movie is really interesting because of the structure too, uh, which we'll talk about in spoilers. I think I don't know that it's technically a spoiler but 
Uh, screenplay is by him, but it was an ad- adaptation from a Terrell Elvin McCraney story, I think. Um, it's maybe um, sem- semi-autobiographical. Okay, interesting. Um, so you enjoyed it, you and you were uh, more imp- more impressed than you were expecting to be, or I don't know how to explain it. I fully expected to um, be impressed by this movie, but I I don't really know if it's the character development or you know the story structure i don't know exactly what it was but it was more than i was expecting Mm. um i don't know how long it is but it just it's almost two hours it didn't feel that long Mm. i feel like it's just like the whole time i'm zoomed in yeah i Um, I agree yeah well um, I, I love the movie. Uh, again, I was very excited to get to watch it a second time. Um, let's get into spoilers and we can talk more specific about the things that we liked and, and whatnot. So, okay, guys, we're going to talk about Moonlight. There will be spoilers. If you want to go check it out, it is streaming on Amazon prime or you can just go buy it. This is a good blind buy. Otherwise you've been warmed. Boom. I definitely say this is a solid blind buy. Um, I, I want to say that when we were kind of talking about the draft the other day before the draft, I really was torn between Three Billboards and Shape of Water. I was truly torn, even though a few days earlier when I had gone to see see The Darkest Hour with my friend, I was like, I hope and pray that I get first pick so that I can choose Three Billboards. And then when it like came down to the wire and I needed to choose, I had a really hard time. But then I was looking through previous winners and I saw Moonlight and I know that it's like a smaller story and it's more independent. And I just got a, you know what I mean? That made my decision with three Uh billboards. I'm probably not going to win, but that was my kind of deciding factor. Well, I mean, uh, we get uh, the 23rd, um, we get the announcement. So that's, I think uh, Tuesday, Tuesday that we should find out who the nominations are. And we'll have our first kind of idea of what our point breakdown is going to be to start with. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes. But um, you know, Moonlight also has that distinction of being one of those flubs, you know, where they announced La La Land as the winner um, for Best Picture at the Oscars last year. And then we're like, oh, no. Oh, that's right. It's Moonlight. And like everyone thought the guy was just being, like, p- polite at first, that he was just like, no, it's not us. It's Moonlight. You know, like, being, like, that gracious winner. And he's like, no, seriously. Yeah. And he has to like hold the car. Like it's freaking moonlight. There was a huge That's, mistake. I forgot about that. And um, I mean, that's who so was crazy. it? That read it wrong. I can't remember. Oh, dang uh, it. Um. Oh, it was uh, uh, Faye Dunaway and uh, Warren Beatty. Uh, but Faye Dunaway okay. is the one who read it wrong. And then Warren Beatty <laughs> was just like, okay, I guess I'm going with this. Um. <laughs> yeah, but so. Um, my absolute favorite. Well, there's there's a lot of great to talk about here. Um, I love Mar Marshala Ali. I'm I have to, Mahershala Ali. I think is how you say it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I can't. He is so amazing in this movie. Um, his character is super complex. Um, as I love that he is a drug dealer that's depicted as a freaking person. You know, like he's not some. Like, so often, I feel like drug dealer characters are uh, caricatures of people, right? Like, they're they're super big villains. They're over the top. They're evil. And he's not depicted as that. Like, he he's, he doesn't mean he doesn't do things that are, are wrong 
obviously just selling drugs is wrong, but like even like how you can tell he's muscled some people and whatever, but it, it doesn't come off as evil. It just comes off as part of his way of life. Like if he doesn't do that, he has no like, money and he can't live the life he's living. I um, also want to say that I thought that he was a drug dealer, but they didn't really make that clear because he just keeps like going and checking on the guy on the corner, kind of mm-hmm. talking like they're friends. Like they don't, they don't ever show him selling drugs or that he's dealing out of his house or, you know what I mean? They don't. So for a little bit, I was like, maybe he's just friends with this guy, but it becomes very clear later on. Yeah. Um, I also loved his character and I loved, um, that, so he's a drug dealer, but he has a girlfriend and they, that doesn't seem to encompass their whole life. Yeah. They don't live in a bad neighborhood. They have a nice home. They're very kind to him and try to build him up and counter all of this stuff that is said to Sharon that even his mother says to him. You know, they're like constantly trying to build him up. And I like that about them a lot. Yeah, I I love both. Uh, Teresa is the girlfriend's name played by um, Janelle Janelle Monae. Who is fantastic in her role? Uh, just these, she's so nuanced. I, the little things she does, like when she just mm-hmm, like I just I love everything about her and she, one. The first thing, the first thing that I know her from is from some singles she released like oh. seven or eight years ago, and I loved them. I think one of them is called like Bacon and Eggs, and it's like a, kind of a poppy song, but I love it so much. And she's just sassy, and you can see that. And yeah. I haven't seen her i think i might have seen her in one other role but i like that she's kind of branched into movies and i would like to see more of her because at first i was like oh my god she's a singer we've seen this before you know yeah but she's great well in this film uh we should mention it's structured in three acts um like a play and uh features um the character of chiron um as a young man like little like i think eight years old maybe i don't think they say his age but it's in that ballpark um he goes by the nickname little at that time um in his high school years he goes by chiron and that's his nickname that's the name of the act as well and then the last act he goes by black which um has a lot of significance that we'll get to momentarily but the first act is my favorite and it's because of Juan. um because unfortunately he's only in the first act it's it's heavily implied that he was killed um, they don't say how, we don't get details, hate, but that he is definitely dead. And I hate that. And I'm like, did I accidentally fall asleep because I've been doing that a lot lately? And because it seems so stark in, I think, the second act, it's just like, boom, Juan's dead. And that, mm-hmm. I felt like that was like it. And I mean, given his career path, I, you know, definitely yeah. would think it's something violent. Yeah. But I didn't like that there wasn't any closure. And then... Later on, we just don't see Teresa anymore, and I didn't like that either. Well, and that's um, – I mean, the third act, it makes sense why we don't see Teresa, though. Um, we do hear about her a little bit, but it, it does make sense because he's not living in Miami anymore. But um, I like the choice to not give us 100% closure. I think it reflects um, the world that they live in, like that it's it's such a common thing that they don't talk about it. Um, mm. It's just, you know, like – he was in a world where death is a possibility at any moment, and um, they don't, they're not dwelling on it, but it, they are aware. There's little comments about it, and it also reflects in um, 
back to that first scene, uh, the first act, I should say, not the first scene, but when they're sitting at the, the dinner table, this is the part that broke me so hard in the theater when Little is conf- uh, confronting one and says, um, does my mom do drugs? And he says, yes. But more, he asks, what, what's a faggot? And I love. Oh, I hate that word so I much. Know, but I, I love, love one's response. response. Oh, it's, it's so crushing and ugly inspiring. word to make black uh, to make gay people feel bad about themselves or yeah. something. I can't remember the direct quote, but I was like, that was so perfectly put. It so. was and so wise. And again, that's that depiction because he's he's not uh, depicted as some you know moron thug who who rude. has no choice. Like you would see in so many other movies. He's an intelligent person who, yes, is doing illegal things, but there's wisdom there. And, oh, man, even, like, the swimming sequence when he teaches him to swim and, like, uh, it's uh, – I love it so much. There's so much about that first act that's, like, perfect to me. I, I It's heartbreaking um, for sure. There's so much – and, of course, it, it ends – it doesn't end in tragedy, but, like, when you find out that Chiron has gone to being a drug dealer – um, especially after, you know, dealing with his mom and her drug use and then losing Juan and still ending up into that situation. <laughs> it's, it's tragic, you know? Um, mm-hmm. um, oh, geez. I was gonna, um, that second act. Yeah. The second act is tough. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's the middle. And so you're going to have your, your hero, uh, at his worst and at his best though he has his biggest maybe not his biggest triumph in the film but a huge triumph which uh, is um, the relationship with Kevin mm-hmm. um, if you're not we haven't discussed this but uh, the character well I guess briefly we just said Chiron um, even as a little kid people are calling him gay and but he doesn't realize it that they're calling him gay, or he doesn't realize. No, it. he doesn't realize that about himself. No, and he—I don't think he should. And I love that answer too. No. That Juan says to him, "It's like I don't think you need to know yet. Like, I, I yeah. think you're too young to have to to decide." That, and yeah, and even then, he's like, "How will I know?" And you'll you'll just know. Like that that conversation, especially because he treats him like a little adult. Um, yes, he answers these really tough questions as honestly as anyone could answer those questions, and. He does it in such a wise and intelligent way. It, it's so refreshing. Every so much about this movie is refreshing. I think that's one of the things I love about it. It, it doesn't follow so many Hollywood tropes that you would see in a film, um, especially about African Americans. Uh, you know, just being stereotyped or, or you know, playing bit parts uh, to the main characters, um, or or stereotypes. You know, we're we're playing people. We're playing human I... beings. What a shock. I read um, too, um, and this was on Wikipedia, so I didn't fact check. But um, Moonlight was the first film with an all-black cast, the first LGBT film, and the second lowest-grossing film to win the Best Picture at the Oscars. Oh, wow. And I think that all of those things are amazing. Yeah, that definitely. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know <laughs> any of that, and that's that's awesome. Um, it's such a step in the right direction to what film can be in a lot of ways. I mean, not we haven't even talked about how beautiful this film is. It, it is a oh, gorgeous film. It is amazing, and I love so often. I only really noticed it with Chiron, Chiron's character, but he, like, looks at us. Yeah, yeah. The way that it's filmed, and it, 
I just felt like that made him even more thoughtful, you know? Yeah, you I don't were know. really in in the character. Um, I mean, and that little kid that um, that plays him as little is fantastic. Like, he's got a tough job. I mean, they were the way Bar- uh, Barry Jenkins wrote him, too. To, to Alex R. Hibberts. Uh, uh, yeah, where he didn't have to speak too much. But when mm-hmm. he does speak, it, it hits. Like, it hits hard. But even his pouty face and stuff is so perfect to that character. And, like, um, when Juan first meets him and takes him to, to the restaurant and he's eating and then he he's trying to get him to talk and he won't talk and he, like, takes the food away and he just shuts <laughs> down. And Juan's like, all right, my bad. <laughs> just like, <laughs> um, Yeah, I, I love that, that whole first act so much. But I don't want to only talk about the first act. So the second act gets really bleak. Um, we find out Juan's gone. Teresa's still taking care of him, but the, his mom is worse. Um, Paula, uh, we, which we haven't talked about Naomi Harris and how challenging her job was, but how excellent she plays the character. She's she's and kind of the villain. Uh, that and uh, sorry, back to the first part when we find out that she's doing drugs because at first she's very concerned he doesn't come home. Yeah, in the first act. At least she sounds concerned, right? <laughs> yes. And then um, we end up seeing, um, sorry, Juan finds her in the car with one of the customers smoking oh, yeah. crack. A, a, not even a block down the road from where they bought it. like. Ugh. Yeah, and right in the car. And they get into a confrontation, and she's like, he's like talking about her being a mother and doing these drugs. And then she turns around on him, and you just sold me these drugs. That was pretty yeah. wild and then she went home and took it out on Chiron and that's where the F, the F word that, yeah I hate that word yeah and I only said it earlier to quote no I know I, well I just want to make sure too, listeners like I was quoting the movie not using it in any other context not but, words we pass around um, yeah, here um, but they I think they did a really good job showing that decline in her definitely and and in the second act um, she's uh, worse um not as an actress, she's amazing as an actress, but she's really strung out, and you see it like that. Drugs have really gotten its grip on her. Like early, she seems like she's in control, but doing drugs. But now she's <laughs> like super strung out. They're living in a worse situation. It looks like than what they were living in in the first act. Um, and it's definitely getting it's getting tougher each time. Um, and you know, I keep I don't want to talk about every aspect of this movie, but there's so much greatness. The scene in the first act when he takes a bath by himself, but he has to boil the water and carefully <laughs> pour the water. Like, it's such a little grown up thing to me because, like, I would have never known to boil water. I would have either burned myself severely yeah. or, like, it would have I would have done something wrong. I wouldn't have been able to do what he did at that age for sure. And there's something, like, really sad and sobering about seeing a young kid give themselves a bubble bath. You know, like that's especially a, having to go through all that yeah, to do it. Yeah, and that's such a like you know that's a parent thing. It's like, and even how responsible is he? How many kids would go and take a bath without a, an adult telling them to go take a bath? You know, like it's it's such a it's such a important little scene in the movie to me, and I it just uh, I I'm continually the more I think about this movie, the more I'm just impressed by it. Like it's so good. Um, and again, to act two, we have now uh, Chiron going by Chiron, Ashton Sanders. Everybody calls him Chiron except for um, Kevin, uh, played by Jarrell Jerome, who calls him Black. Um, and you, you get uh, the first love experience 
that Chiron gets where him and Kevin end up kissing um, and Kevin gives him a hand job on the beach. Um, and it's it's done, I would say, extremely tastefully as far as like how they shoot it. Um, it's it's built up to the actors are are there's um, definitely chemistry. And then at the end, there's that really awkward moment where you know Chiron doesn't know what to do he apologizes um and what do you have to apologize for yeah uh man that interact and then the car ride home like you can see he doesn't know how to how to act anymore um Mm -hmm. and there's even and then they just like fist bump or whatever that's called he looks at the hand did you see how he (laughs) stares at the hand like so like like that's the hand that's the hand that was on me (laughs) And like he stares at it, like I didn't, I don't remember noticing that the first time, and I really know. I'm like, wow, he's like awkwardly staring at his hand, like almost like he doesn't want to shake it, like as, <clears throat> like that was on me. I don't know that I want to, you know, and um, and that's where the real heartbreaking part of this scene comes in. <clears throat> that, uh, the the bully of the school, Terrell, played by Patrick Des- uh, Decile or Decile or Decile, Decile. I have no idea how to say this. Um, this is a such a bad trend with me. I I'm so bad with names. Um, he he gets Kevin to do this game they used to do where he would point somebody out and Kevin would jump him. But he's and it's interesting because it's it's a coincidence as far as we know. Like no one seems to know that Kevin and and Chiron have fooled around. Um, it's just yeah. Terrell's been as usual. Yeah, and Terrell's been looking to get Chiron anyways, like to beat him up, and he's disrespected him. And he so he sicks Kevin on him, and Kevin trying to keep his you know rep and his status punches Chiron, and he tries to get Chiron to stay down, but he doesn't. And oh, I love that too. He just keeps getting back up. Yep, yeah, and then gets him in the eye, severely beat down by the other three guys, <laughs> which is again then, shot awesomely where you're you are Chiron while he's getting kicked, and it's it's scary. Like it, it really is. Like the idea of like being on the ground and not being able to get up and just seeing these feet kicking you over and over again it's it's intense and which kind of he doesn't snitch on them nope um to get them in trouble but the next scene i didn't know if i thought at first that he was dreaming because he's had a couple dreams now i thought that he was dreaming and i was waiting for him to wake up but he doesn't wake up but he and i love how he shoots it to like we don't really know how long he was at school before he goes after Terrell uh, mm-hmm. because we're following him through the school. But you'll, if you notice, there's a lot of jump cuts where we just end up in a different door than what he just walked through. Where we, Usually we'd be continuity editing where we're following him through the school. But instead we like jump through different parts of the school. So I don't know if he made it through like the whole day until that class period. Oh, see, I felt like it was at the beginning of the day. I think that. They the first it first starts outside of the school and he just like slams swings open yep. the door and it slams. But when he walks through like, the door, he's in a different <clears throat> part of the school. It's a different door, and that <clears throat> happens multiple times. And so that seems to imply the jump cuts that because if if that were all one motion, he had a hugely long walk to get to that room. Where if it's supposed to be that time has passed, like he's waiting, he's biding his time. For that moment, like he knows he has him in that class period, because we we'd seen that class earlier in in the in the act. So like, let's say that was like fourth period. He knows that that's going to be his best chance to get Terrell. Now I agree. I think the implication of how it's shot is that he beelines right to it. 
which is what I think the dream element is because it is staggering that we, you know we keep missing he's going through different doors and he ends up in different parts of the school and so and I, he's oh go ahead oh, I was just saying I, I it seems to imply that time has passed um it wasn't all just one walk I could be wrong and it is a big school but this whole time I felt like the way that he was slamming. I don't want to say slamming open the doors because slamming usually implies they're closing, but the way he's opening them, they are slamming against the building. And I just feel like he would have been stopped at some point by a teacher or faculty or something. If he was causing a ruckus, cause it is loud. It's like banging through the halls, yeah. but he, the whole movie, the whole movie from beginning to end, he's very quiet. I don't want to say that he's meek, but he does for the most part, try to avoid confrontation. Definitely. Too. Which definitely made it even more surprising. Well, it, I think there's a part too. Um, I'll say, like, um, when I was in middle school, somebody told me I walked gay. Which, if you if you're hearing that that I walked gay, maybe you're thinking of a certain type of walk that would be gay, or maybe you're like me at that age and not knowing what that meant, other than I shouldn't do it because if I was gay, people would make fun of me and hurt me and beat me up but I didn't know what about my walk was gay so I was paranoid to walk in front of people like if I had to walk in front of the classroom or whatever I I was so terrified because I didn't know how to walk so that people wouldn't make fun of me and while I I'm not gay um, nor do I now have a problem with that but in the early 90s when I was in middle school I was terrified of being gay I didn't know you know what gay was exactly i didn't know how it worked i didn't know if you just were or if it was a choice or if like it was some crazy thing that would just happen if you did something the wrong way i didn't know but no one knew and there was that was the problem is homophobia was huge in the 90s and so while i can't relate to the life of a, a gay person i can relate to that fear of being bullied um especially about that and so think of like he's being picked on when he's like eight they're calling him gay and they're trying to beat him up. He, why would he want to talk? Cause apparently everything he does makes people want to hurt him, you know? Which is so interesting because like, I mean, we don't see him just walking around all the time, No, whatever. So I don't know what it is about him. Yeah. Necessarily. She, the mom even says it to want like that. You know I know why they pick on him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to, you want to tell him why they pick on him or they, why they beat him up. And it's like, Oh my god, what? It's like everyone else knows, but the person themselves, it's just very... And But so, the the scene we were describing where he's walking through the school, mm. he walks in the classroom, grabs the chair, and slams it into Terrell. Damn. And, it's, and then we see him hit him again. We don't see it, like, make contact, but we're looking Ooh, up. Oh, and I loved, I loved him staying down. I... Mm, it always kills me when people act like they're big and bad. And then when something actually happens where they would have to be who they pretend to be all the time and then they can't do it. And I feel like that just, you know, yeah, it's a crazy scene. And that, that puts us into, we see him get arrested and then we go to to act three where we meet black, which is, um, Chiron grown up played by Trevante Rhodes. Um, much different looking. He was, Super tall and and lanky, and not super tall. He was tall and very skinny in high school, like super clean skinny. cut. Yes, um, like you know, they he was picked on because his jeans were too tight, but they were just like yeah. straight like jeans. His, yeah, uh, his pants were pulled up at the at the waist. Like there was nothing 
Um, he was just getting made fun of for being like, you know, I'm going to dress professional. I'm going to be a good student or whatever. Um, we find him at, super built um, and re- kind of cool looking, with, but he's got the gold teeth. Um, oh. Yeah, which he, Kevin gives him crap for later, and it's I like that he does because it is a bit much. Um, but uh, he's he's gone the route. He's gone Juan's route. He's now like a head drug dealer. We see him uh, t- pick up a guy. We hear him talking. Um, we we know he's not living with his mother. He's he's doing well for himself, but he's doing well by selling drugs or or leading a a bunch of people who sell drugs. Um, we see him kind of going through his his routine. You know, picking up money, harassing some of his dealers uh, playfully, but still like a little bit intimidating because he's a he's a big dude. And, yeah, um, we see him with a gun in the car early too to like to know that it's not a joke. It's not like he's doing something on the side. Like this is legit. Um, he is very disciplined, though. He yeah, he uh, wakes up super early every morning. But part of that too. is he can't sleep because he's having nightmares. Um, because mm-hmm. we see the scene when his mom called him the the f word we mentioned <laughs> earlier. He's dreaming about that still. Like he's still having nightmares about that. And um. His mom calls him. She leaves a voicemail. He doesn't respond. It, it, the phone rings again. He picks it up, and it's Kevin, who he hasn't spoke to in, like, 10 years, I think. Um, and they have a good conversation. He says, you know, if you're ever down here, I'm a cook now You because know, I got arrested, and I ended up working in the, the cafeteria, and I just kind of stuck. Um, you know, you can come down – or not come down, but, like, because he's in Atlanta now. He moved to Atlanta. Um, and then he has that – awesome conversation with his mom who's in rehab who's uh apparently done with her stint in rehab but is working there um so that she can stay with the program and like help other people and she's very apologetic to him and uh, mm. i love that, that like scene. i get it but a little too late man well and she even but even that she's okay with him you don't have to yeah. love me but i love you i love you and i i appreciate that sentiment so much like her one admitting the wrong, not pressuring him to uh, to be okay with her, you know, but to make sure that he knows that she's aware of what she did wrong and whether or not it's redeemable is definitely debatable. But she's she is portrayed to have changed so much at the end of the film, and and that's inspiring and hopeful to me. Like, wow, there's a chance, and I think that even might be what partly inspires him to go see Kevin. So he drives down to Miami, and it's an awkward exchange because he's like, Kevin's like, man, I said I'd cook for you, but did you really drive all the way here? He doesn't say it, but it's like in his eyes. Like, you drove all the way here? Like, like that's you know a little crazy. And then he mentions that he has a kid, which definitely throws um, Chiron off a bit. You know, he's kind of like, he's there because Kevin's the only man he's ever kissed, which he outright says. Not only man he's ever kissed, but the only man he's, who's ever touched him. And that moment too is heartbreaking. But like, it, it you can see there's some hesitation because he he tells Sharon he had a kid, um, and Kevin's always kind of been implied to be bisexual. But I don't know if like, you know, Sharon's definitely not sure if that moment on the beach was a fluke or if Kevin is interested in him. Did the phone call mean that? And um, you know, it's uh, a lot less happens in the third act, but a lot of stuff gets tied up in the third act that I really appreciate. And, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff you just have to read into like Chiron's life and, um, you know, how he's kind of become part of the system that he was 
trying to get out of that he was you know not thrilled with what happened to his mom he wasn't thrilled with what happened to Juan and yet he's now living in that same cycle and Kevin might be the way out we're not really sure but um that scene with them you know him with his head on Kevin's shoulder and Kevin caressing his head is is so powerful and such a great ending sequence mm-hmm. mm. I do like um the actor too as as um black in that black. sequence but I mean it, the movie's strongest point is definitely the first act it doesn't it's never bad but the strongest point is definitely that first act that's when there's so much emotional weight and the movie pays off I think everything it sets up um in the beginning mm. but but Agreed. yeah uh, it's a gorgeous film um, with great performances, a very touching story, uh, a tragic story at moments, but it does it does end on a, a hopeful note that there's a chance for love and a chance for change, that he won't be another statistic. He won't end up dead like Juan way before his time. Um, I I think my I think both of our answers are obvious. It's a must see film. <laughs> yes. Um and uh, it's interesting because this this month the theme is um, Rotten Tomatoes top all time movies, and we pulled Moonlight from this. But uh, in two months we're doing um, best pictures that we've never seen, so we could have done it then too because this is the best picture that Corey had not seen. But now we have, so that's not going to be in in uh, March. But um, totally rewatching it for March. Yes, uh, <laughs> it, it is a movie. I actually wasn't sure how rewatchable this would be. Um, and it's very rewatchable. Uh, I feel like there's so much, so much that uh, I know you, you said you saw more like it's just their body language in this. And every single actor who played Sharon was just phenomenal. Yeah. And, um, there's, there's so many like little quotes and, uh, lines of dialogue that are, are kind of subtle. Um, the music is great too, which we didn't talk about, but the score is fantastic. surprising some of the choices that were made yeah yeah i um, agree was it mozart at the beginning they were playing uh, i'm not cultured enough to know the answer to that question Corey. but um they were playing a classical tune man that's, that's, that's my answer it's one of those <laughs> those beethoven wolfgang bach i don't know i'm a date yep yeah i don't know it's one of those guys uh but yeah you know I, i'm all i'm all in um I hope the movie I picked for next week, because uh, I had to change my my pick here. But I hope the movie I picked oh. is one you haven't seen. Um, but um, you, we just to clarify, you did say must see for this, right? Yes. So Moonlight is a must see rating from Burke Reviews. Both Corey and John uh, think must see. Uh, again, it is on Prime. So if you've already listened to this, and still haven't seen it, go ahead and watch it. If you have watched it, maybe you didn't watch I... it recently. I say rewatch it. I want to throw this out there, too, because I've been kind of exploring an Amazon Prime, um, and we all know that we're, like, fangirl and fanboy of A24, and you can just search A24 oh. on Amazon Prime, and it'll bring up, and they have quite a few movies that are part of Amazon Prime. Some of them you have to pay to rent, but I was really surprised. Um, they're definitely a favorite of ours as far as movie production companies they've, go. They've knocked it out of the park uh, consistently <laughs> for me. Um, I there's only a couple of their movies that I wasn't a huge fan of, um, and I can't I honestly can't think of what those were. I just know there was a couple that I was like, yeah. But most of what, especially a lot of the stuff I've seen with critic screenings, have been fantastic. Um, 
you know, I didn't get to see Moonlight with Creative Screen, but Green Room, one of my favorite movies that I've I've seen from them easily. But I love The Lobster. Um, I love Dex Machina. Uh, this year alone, I mean, Good Time, Disaster Artist. No, Ex Machina is A24. No, I think that's oh. when I first became aware of them. Me too, actually. I'm pretty sure. I was like, what's A24? And then it was just like, like oh, what? look at all these movies that I love now. Um, Lady Bird yeah. uh, being in my number two movie from last year. Um, and I want to point out too, Big Sick, my number one, is an Amazon Studios movie that was uh, not produced by them but distributed by them. They were picked up uh, and added. And another up-and-coming studio to watch is Neon. Um, Neon had Ingrid oh. Goes West and I, Tanya. Um, and there was one other film. Look at this. I feel like, um, I can't remember, is it Fox Searchlight that also kind of does like the Fox smaller... Searchlight and Sony Classics um, are the other two indie. Sony Classics did Call Me By Your Name um, and uh, a foreign film that's doing, that's expected to win the Oscar. What is it called? Something Woman. I cannot think of what it's called. Um, and Fox Searchlight, yes, is the other like uh, big studio branch that does a lot of really great indie films um none that are coming to mind but there were several <laughs> i can't think of anything right now but um and there's even a chance actually that my pick might be in that list but uh my pick for next week um for episode number 56 i think um we are going to be watching richard linklater's boyhood um, I, oh, I have seen that. Ah, oh, crud. Sorry, Corey. It's not um, in theaters. Oh, well, I'm sorry sure. also because it's really long. But um, <laughs> I'm going to just read the cliff notes. I'm kidding. Uh, it, it is one that, um, one, I've been trying to get two more of Linklater's films. I am up and down with him. I am not a 100% fan. Same. Um, but there are some films that I love and a couple that I didn't know were Linklater, as I've talked many times now. I still can't get over that School of Rock is directed by Richard Linklater. It just does not feel like a Richard Linklater film. Um, he didn't write it. Uh, Mike White wrote that. But um, Linklater did write this one. Uh, it stars Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette. Um, and it, it has a very distinctive element that it was filmed uh, with one actor uh, actually aging. So, like, when he gets older in the movie, they waited several years to film him continually. I think it took 12 years to make this movie. Um, mm-hmm. so it's one of the, it's a novelty thing and that actually makes me not want to watch it and why I haven't seen it yet. But at the same time, um, it is on the top 100. It's one that I've been putting off for a while and, um, I didn't know this, but it has a hundred on Metacritic, uh, Metacritic, um, oh. but a 7.9 user rating. I'm sure that is because it's two hours Holy and 45 freaking minutes. Um, <sighs> so it, I do apologize. Uh, I'm going to be watching this one in increments just so I, you know i might end up having to do that not not the way i like to watch a movie mind you but i'm looking I, at my week like what am i gonna fit three hours? i don't want to say this too because i was just thinking of this i think that homeboy ethan hawk just really loves to make movies like this where they're filmed over long periods of time because wasn't he in the before he is in trilogy? the before trilogy yep but to, so but that's not the films aren't done over it's like the the sequels are filmed 10 years later but and they not, take place 10 years later, right? Too. Yes, yeah. It's real time. They age real time, but it's it's not like they're filming it's, one movie over 12 years. They filmed a movie I 10 that. years later. They fil- Well, I'm just making, like, really? I, I have them, and I've not watched them yet. Those are three mm-hmm. Linklater films that I've heard are fantastic. Um, I love Bernie, a big fan of Bernie, one that I'd miss, but it's Jack Black, Matthew McConaughey, based on a true story of this great, it's a crazy story. Um, one of the reasons why I liked it so much because I didn't know it was a true story until I started watching it. 
Um, I love. I've never seen that. Oh, that one's really cool. Uh, Dazed and Confused, obviously love Dazed and Confused. I kind of liked Everybody Wants Some, but kind of didn't. Um, that was last year's movie. Um, and I'm I'm intrigued by his film that's coming out this year, uh, twenty twenty eighteen. Um, I can't remember what it's called right now. Something Beatrice, I think. Um, something with a B like that. It's somebody's, it's something, something, somebody's name. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm up and down on him, but this is a movie, it got a lot of awards recognition. I think it might've won the Golden Globe, but not the Oscar, um, in it, in its year from 2014. I'm, I should just check IMDb for that, but, um, oh, it did win an Oscar. I'm sorry. Best performance in a supporting role. Patricia and Jackson. I forget that. So all the time, uh, well, not all the time, but Mike on top five has mentioned off like multiple times about suburbia. And he always says, but not that suburbia. And I like the suburbia that he doesn't like with Javon Bissy. And I always forget that that was directed by Richard Linklater. Oh, see, I didn't know that. And I like slackers, which is a movie that Kevin Smith attributes to make him want to become a filmmaker. Um, in his autobi- in Kevin Smith's autobiography, he says that Slackers was the movie that made him want to start making movies. And um, I watched Slackers on Netflix a few years after reading the uh, Kevin Smith's autobiography because I was like, well, I don't know what this movie is. And it's really interesting. Um, it is a series of vignettes. It's not a traditional narrative, so it's kind of an avant-garde piece. Um, really interesting movie uh, from what I remember. But Boyhood, uh, again, it's that experimental. And that's one of the things with Linklater. He is... Uh, he likes to make different types of films, and I'm okay with that. Like, I like a little variety. Um, I do think close to three hours is way too long for a movie about a kid growing up. But, you know, I do like Rites of Passage stories, so hopefully this will click for me. But that's what we're going to watch next week. Um, is it on Amazon? It is on Netflix for sure. I think it's on okay. like, everything right now, but I did confirm it was on Netflix um, before I selected it. Because was, was we were going to watch an old noir film that I've been meaning to watch for a long time that's been on Netflix for like two or three years called Laura and it's no longer on <gasps> Netflix. Um, so I'm kind of bummed. Oh, I, I was, wanted to see that. Yeah, me too. And I, I did, I don't think I could afford to buy it this week. Um, as, uh, I might have to take my dog to the vet. So I was like, oh. I, I really need Yeah. Um, she's having some glandular issues, but, um, I'm not sure. And so I didn't want to risk like not being able to rent the movie or I actually don't even know if, if Laura is available digitally anywhere at, right now. Um, so I didn't want to risk that. So we're going with Boyhood instead, which is, again, I'm sorry that you've seen it, but I saw Moon, you know, Moonlight, so it, I guess it, it evens out. Have an hour on me. Yep. I'm kidding. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you're fine. But you can, I, I did order you the steelbook for Boyhood, so that's in the yes! um, All right, folks, that's our episode. Uh, if you are... We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you like our show, please go to iTunes, uh, give us a rating and review. Um, review It helps spread the word about the podcast. Share the podcast on your social media um, and follow us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And you can email us at contact at BurkeReviews.com. Until next week when we will be reviewing Boyhood, have a good one. Corey, good evening. Bye. Oh, thanks. Bye, guys. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com. <laughs>